Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. I'll get started now with our message for the day. Um, we are continuing on our series that we've been going on that was originally going to be one or two, and it's going to turn out to be four total uh, messages in a series on peace that we have been going uh, through. And, um, you know, I feel like this is so timely, and I really feel like God wants to speak to our church about this topic. Um, You know, there's a lot going on in our world, and we're all isolated, and it's difficult. And so for many people... um, who are dealing with stress and exhaustion and pressure and anxiety and depression and unease and so many things that we all, many of us struggle and feel this to varying levels. And yet we know the reality is that all over scripture, the Bible calls us to and really instructs us to be at peace, right? God has promised peace to his children. And yet, if we're honest, there can oftentimes be this gap. Um, And this is not just in peace, but it's really in any area, right? The Bible instructs us or encourages us in something. And then when we recognize that I'm not there, there's a gap that's created. And the challenge is then to discover either in scripture or to learn how to practically walk out. How do I become this? How do I get to that spot? Um, to where God wants us to be. And so when we're in that place, how do we find peace? How do we experience peace? What does peace look like? What does the Bible say about peace? So this series has been exploring what peace looks like from a biblical perspective. In our first week, we talked about finding peace in our darkest moments, right? What do we do when it isn't getting any better? And we discussed that we need to chain ourselves to God in faith and hold on, right? Sometimes all you can do is hold on. But also, how do we find peace in the worst places? The Bible seems to indicate that when you're in some of the darkest moments, to not focus and dwell on the dark things, but instead to draw our attention to things that are whole and holy and peaceful and pure and good, right? To dwell on those things. Don't focus on the darkness, but dwell on the light and allow God to to use those things to remind us and to call us back to him and that we can begin to experience peace in those moments. Last week, we talked about how Jesus is our greatest hope for a great calm. We um, explored the passage where Jesus and his disciples were on the boat uh, crossing the Sea of Galilee and a great windstorm arose uh, and a rainstorm arose and they were about to die. And Jesus rises up and calms the storm. And, and it says there was a great calm. And we talked about the perspective of who we're talking to, who we're praying to, right? And that the, the real topic or the idea of last week's message was that we need to become people who will begin to pray with a faith-filled peace that regardless of the outcome that we are in his hands, the master of the storms. And that should help us to shape the way that we pray, right? To shape the foundation in which we come to him, even when our circumstances are terrifying, And next week, we're going to, as we're beginning in the Christmas season, we're going to be talking specifically and end this particular series. Uh, We're going to be, we're going to be exploring the concept of the Prince of Peace. That's, uh, Jesus was called that, the Prince of Peace. And so we're going to look into what does that mean for, uh, for us and, and, and what does that mean in general, but how does that help us? And what are, what is our expectation that is uh, for us and how we should live our lives uh, as we explore that next week? But today I want to explore the words of Jesus himself. 
and what he said about peace. And so if you guys want to open your Bibles, uh, it's actually a short verse, and then we're going to have another passage later. But John chapter 14, verse 27, is the verse that we're going to be reading out of today. And I'm reading from the CSB version, the Christian Standard Bible. Um, And we're actually going to explore a variety of translations today, which I'm excited about. Um, And we'll get to that a little bit later. But today, John chapter 14, verse 27 If you have your Bible or a smartphone or a tablet, open up to that. And this is a promise that Jesus is making to his disciples um, in the middle of unrest, even in their own circumstances. Uh, And I think that this is much needed for us today. And so I want to explore it a little bit. Let's read the promise that Jesus gave to his disciples, which by extension is for all of us. John 14, 27, he says to them and to us, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled or fearful. I want to read that again. I want you guys to close your eyes and let me read it and just listen to the words and ask now, Holy Spirit, open our hearts, open our eyes, open our ears. Like you said, those who have ears to hear, those who have eyes to see, let them hear, let them see. God, that's what we want today. Let your will be done. Let's read your word now. And would you transform us? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled or fearful. God, we thank you for your word. Amen. So what I want to explore today is what does it mean where Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. You know, for many people, maybe some even on the call, for many of us, or even our natural inclination, right, is that peace can mean the absence of conflict or trouble. That's what I think, that's what our natural reaction is going to be, right? I feel at peace when I don't have anything going on that causes me to feel, you know, unrest, right? And while this might be a definition of peace, I don't believe that this is what Jesus was trying to convey or what he was talking about here. The piece that Jesus is talking about talks about meaning rest, quietness, a stillness in your heart. In fact, the word peace in Hebrew is the word shalom. And shalom speaks to so much more than circumstances. It speaks to like a wholeness of being, like uh, an entire way of life, right? Peace with others, peace with yourself, peace with God, um, a peace within the heart, regardless of circumstances, a sense of rightness, a sense of wholeness, a sense of wellness, right? And so Jesus is talking here, not about our outward circumstances, but he's talking about a wholeness, a healthiness, a quietness, a stillness, particularly in the heart. Not the absence of trouble, but one that exists in spite of trouble. Christian author Clarence Haynes writes this, and I want to read it to you. He says, this piece pushes through all the disturbing circumstances that life can throw at you. It gives you the ability to endure and be calm in the face of extreme turmoil. This peace does not eliminate conflict or trouble, but gives you the ability to endure through it. Consider it an inner confidence that you know God will come through in this situation and that removes your fear and worry and replaces it with peace. See, what was going on with the disciples at this time was not just like everything was hunky-dory. Um, The conversation that Jesus is having here in chapter 14 of John seems to be a continuation really of the instruction and teaching he was giving to his disciples at the Last Supper. 
And if you really want to get a sense of the full conversation and what's going on in this passage in John 14, 27, we need to go back to the beginning of chapter 13. John chapter 13, verse 1. If you read that, you're going to understand the motivation behind what Jesus would do and what he's telling his disciples. Look what it says at the very beginning of John chapter 13, verse 1. It says, before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. He knew he was about to, his mission was almost accomplished, right? And having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He loved them to the end. If you want to see the ultimate motivation for Jesus's actions, for his instructions, and for his comfort for his disciples, we see it in chapter 13 and 14. It was because he loved his disciples. That this whole section begins in John 13. It says that he knew that his mission was almost done. What he had come to do was almost finished. And so he loved his disciples to the end. In fact, he loved him to the end, knowing that he was about to return to the Father, knowing that the events that were about to happen, knowing that they would be on the verge of falling apart once they saw him get arrested, crucified, and eventually die. He wanted to leave them with a reassurance along with peace and with comfort. This is where his heart was. His heart was to leave us with peace, and he was being faithful to the ones that God had entrusted him with. Here are some highlights of things that happened and that Jesus taught about in John 13 and 14. I just want to highlight the things that he said from that beginning, right where it says he loved him to the end. So this is now him saying, here's what I want you to know. He washed the disciples' feet. He tells them of Judas's betrayal. He encourages them to love each other. He tells them that he's going to go and prepare a place for them and he will come back for them. He promises them the Holy Spirit and then he leaves them with peace. And this is just shows the character of Jesus, the amazing character. He left nothing out and he truly prepared his disciples. He understood that it was about to get rough for them. He understood that it was about to get hard for them, that they were going to be afraid. They were going to be scared that things were going to come at them and they weren't going to know how to handle it. And so he wanted them to not be worried or to be troubled, and he wanted to leave them with peace. Before we talk about what it looks like, like what is the difference between what Jesus offers and what the world offers, I want to look at a few different translations of the same verse, John 14, 27, from different translations. Because sometimes when you do that, it can give you a greater understanding of the author's original intent, okay? So let's, let's just look back at John 14, 27 from a few different translations. And you're going to see some highlights of different things that really, I think, encompass what Jesus was saying. This is from the New Living Translation. He says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace that I give you is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. The CEV, the, the uh, I think it's a common English version, I believe, or Christian English version, I'm not sure. I give you peace the kind of peace that only I can give. It isn't like the peace this world can give, so don't be worried or afraid. Then there's the message translation, which is very much like a paraphrase. It's an essence, uh, very devotional. It says, I'm leaving you well and whole. That's my parting gift to you. Peace. I don't leave you the way that you're left, used to being left, feeling abandoned or bereft, 
So don't be upset. Don't be distraught. The ERV, English Reader Version, says, I leave you peace. It is my own peace that I give you. I give you peace in a different way than the world does. So don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. And the Living Bible says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And peace I give isn't fragile like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. So it begs the question to me, when we hear Jesus saying that I'm leaving you with peace, I'm giving you peace, but it's not like what the world can give you. What is the difference? Like, what's the difference between the peace that, that Jesus gives and the peace that the world gives? Well, to me, the answer is pretty simple. Peace that the world gives is largely dependent on our circumstances. We kind of talked about this already, right? When everything lines up, when things are right, when my job is good, when my marriage is good, when I've got enough money for everything, when, when I feel good in life, right? Then there's no problems. That's where a good measure of peace comes from. I'm, I'm at peace and I'm at rest when I don't have anything to contend with. Peace by the world's standards is really the absence of problems, disturbances, inconveniences, those kinds of things. This is what we'll call an outer peace. But the peace that Jesus gives, that he promises, is far different than that. He, even so much so that he calls it out. He says, the peace that I give is not the world's peace. It's different from the world's peace. It's not the same as the world's peace. It is not dependent on circumstances. Whereas the peace of the world, right? Like we see it on commercials all the time. Hey, if you really want peace in the life, go buy this microwave. It'll make your life a lot easier right? That's the concept of peace from the world is that it's largely driven on convenience and the lack of trouble or lack of, of, of problems, the lack of, you know, where everything is just kind of fine, right? Jesus's peace, and you see it all throughout scripture, has nothing to do with our circumstances and is something transcendent of them. It is not dependent on circumstances. It is a peace that flows in the middle of let me be clear on that. It is a peace that is not dependent on circumstances and flows in the midst of persecution, in the midst of trouble, in the middle of disappointment, in the middle of confusion, in the middle of anxiety. Jesus recognizes that he would not always remove his problems or challenging situations of life. He knows that and he never promised to do that. But what he did promise is that in spite of the situations in life, that he will give you peace. It's a promise. So how do we get it, right? There's, this is the question, the million dollar question that we all want the answer to, and it's all over scripture. And I'm not saying that it's easy, but what I am saying is it's there. And we have to choose to believe in faith that it is right and that it will accomplish the fruit that it promises if we will just continue to stick with it. Let's look at it. I want to go back to the passage we looked at in week one in Philippians four. All right. When Paul wrote his letter to the church in Philippi, he outlined the secret of obtaining this lasting peace that is not dependent on circumstances that Jesus made available to us. Philippians 4 verses 6 and 7. We kind of hit it a little bit and then moved on to the last part in verse 8. Today we're going to hammer on verse 6 and 7. Philippians 4 verses 6 and 7. And again, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would open our hearts and let this root in. Let our hearts be deep 
um, healthy soil so that this can take root and plant and grow as a seed into a plant of peace in Jesus's name. Verse six in Philippians four says, do not worry about anything. That sounds just like what Jesus said right at the end. So don't let your hearts be troubled and don't worry. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And here's the promise in the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding circumstances, problems, trouble, anxiety, confusion, right? Will guard your heart and your minds. It will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. When you go through life, and this is me, this is not just, you know, I'm not just like saying it's just you guys, myself included. We will go through moments of anxiety, of worry, of nervousness, of fear. Jesus does not want us living in anxiety so that we have to worry about everything and instead he offers us a remedy for it peace. I am not talking about clinical problems. I am talking about our response to circumstances that we face. However, the path to receiving peace comes from giving every situation to God in prayer. That's the instruction that we receive here, that we have a responsibility in those moments. But when we do it, what happens? When we go to God, and I'm not talking about like, let me sit down and say, God, right now my situation is like, I have this and I need you to do this. Like, it's not a list we're bringing to God. What does it mean? What am I trying? What is God trying to say? What is Paul saying here? Going to God in prayer. It does have an element of, of saying, God, this is what's going on. This is what's happening and I need you. God wants us to pour out our hearts to him. He wants us to cry out to him. We see that over and over again in the Psalms, right? And these songs that we sing on Sunday mornings are reflections of those kinds of things. But it's not just that. It's allowing God, like you're creating a connection point with him. I have this, this software at work that, we, that I use. It's a, it's a virtual private network. Uh, VPN, if anybody ever uses these things, and you dial into your work network, right? And what it does is it creates a connection point to where my computer can connect with my work server. Now, I'm not trying to get too technical, but what it does is it opens a pipeline and it allows the information that is normally locked behind a firewall at work to come to my house. And what we're trying to do in prayer is essentially opening a connection point with God. We're saying, God, I need this. I need help. This is what is going on in my life. And you're entering all this information on your keyboard in prayer, right? Okay, follow me in the metaphor here, right? And you're going along and then you stop and you wait for the spirit of God to send back responses of peace. That's what's happening. And so when it says, when you are feeling this anxiety and this trouble and these things, go to God in prayer, create a connection point with him, bring to him your requests, bring to him your, your, your fears and your anxiety and your stress and all the circumstances and everything you worry about and lay them at his feet and allow him to respond back. Like it's not enough for us to simply go to him, give him the list and then go to work. And then we don't feel any better. No, we have to allow him time to, to begin to just, just as much time as we watch our TV shows and our books and our music. And we spend time commiserating with our friends about how miserable our lives are and all these things. We need to give God the time to be able to speak back into our existence. 
That's what he's saying here. And when we do it, peace will begin to overflow in our lives. It'll begin to push anxiety away and out. It doesn't mean that it will go away per, like perfect, perfectly. It doesn't mean that it will ever be completely gone, but it will certainly be more for you to hold on to. In fact, this verse literally means that peace will stand guard like a sentinel and watch over your mind, fighting back and keeping anxiety at bay, keeping fear and doubt at bay. But how do you do that if you're not ever willing to get into that place? Like our first response has to be, I need God. I need him to stand guard. I need like, imagine like a soldier. Last night, yesterday, I was watching Lord of the Rings and right around the white, the, the tree in, 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 uh, in uh, Minas Tirith, which is the city in this movie, there's this tree and they had four guards standing post around them, like with like, full on armor and like helmets and swords and spears. Like it was, that's what this passage is talking about. It's like the peace of God when we allow him to like, like really like overflow in us, they stand guard like sentinels like on, uh, around our mind and our hearts. When we go to him and we create that protection, that, that, that connection point, the spirit of God promises to protect our mind and our heart. We have to be willing to go to him into those spaces. And guys, I got to tell you that this is both a choice and a supernatural occurrence. It's both. Yes, we have a responsibility and we have to choose. Like we said, right? What are we focusing on? What are we dwelling on? I have to choose to spend time with God. I have to choose to not just dump it all on him and walk away. I have to listen, right? There are, there are choices that we have to make in this, but make no, mis- make no mistake, the peace that Jesus offers and the peace that Philippians 4 talks about is a peace that we cannot get anywhere else other than the spirit of God giving it to us. It is a supernatural thing. We must be willing to wait upon him. We must be willing to receive it. We have to say, I don't understand it, like the song we sang, right? Even when I don't understand it, the peace comes in. But we have to put ourselves in a position to receive it. We have to create that connection point. We have to maintain the connection point. We have to not tell the guards to leave and go off duty. We have to give them the space to stay so that the Spirit of God can give us peace and guard our minds and our hearts. It is both a choice and a supernatural occurrence. They go hand in hand together. Peace is such a wonderful gift that Jesus has left us. He wants us to experience the fullness of peace. And this is the, really the meaning and the context of John 14, 27, right? My peace, I leave you. My peace, I give to you. It is not a peace of the world. It is a peace that the world cannot offer you, or it's not fragile like the world's peace. It's not circumstantial like the world's peace is. It is something that is in the middle of trouble, in the middle of confusion, in the middle of fear and doubt and depression and anxiety. It's there in the middle of it. Do not be worried. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not worry, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, create a connection point with God. And then the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts like sentinels at the walls of your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I want to finish with one more quote from the Christian author, Clarence Haynes. Getting to this place of peace will not come 
from worry or stress. It will come from resting in the loving arms of your Savior, knowing that he is in control and that he will carry you through any situation that life has to offer. What Jesus said to his disciples still rings true today. He will love you to the end. When you let that sink deep into your spirit and this reality becomes true to you, there is only one byproduct of this, peace. This truly is peace that no one in the world could ever give you. Would you close your eyes and pray with me? And you can get your communion elements. We're going to do that together as well. Father, I thank you for sending Jesus. I thank you for the peace that you offer through him. I thank you that we do not have to worry of, uh, and rely on a fickle peace that the world offers. I thank you that, that we have uh, access to a connection with you. I thank you that, that when our life is turned upside down, when we are uh, afraid, God, when our circumstances feel like they are, um, are at the worst, when things are so dark, God, I thank you that, that, that when these times come, that those things we don't have to focus on, that there is, a, there is a peace of mind, a resting place that we can come to, that you offer it to us. God, would you uh, teach us how to connect to, with you in that way? God, I pray that we would, that we would be reminded when we are tempted to, 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 to fear above all things, I pray that when, when those moments come that we feel so overwhelmed and we're tempted to just kind of fall down the rabbit hole of darkness and, and anxiety and, and just kind of, you know, feeling overwhelmed by it, but that you, would, that you would call us back and you would say, no, remember my word. Remember my son, Jesus, and what he said in John 14, 27, that peace is available for us and that we would remember Philippians 4, 6, and 7, that your peace is promised to us and that we would run back to you and we would create that connection point with you and we would allow you to just continue to give us peace and we would marinate and meditate on those spaces God and that peace would come and that your word would ring true as true as faithful and as it is promised that you will stand guard over our hearts and our minds I thank you for it God let this message be foundational to our to our faith in you and we remember this for years to come, that if we would build our life on this foundation of peace is not circumstantial, but it is transcendent. Your peace and only comes from you. I thank you for what you're doing today and what you're doing in our church and how you're speaking to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.